What up? Welcome everybody to Nothing But Facts. Today we have some guests. MashaAllah, we have a um, special guest who's basically like our colleague from down the road. Uh, you are working with uh, the Rutgers students mm-hmm. as chaplain, our uh, brother Kaysar, uh, uh, Aslam, Aslam. Aslam. Because yep. you know we have Kaiser Alam. Yeah. And Kaysar, you know <laughs> Kaysar Alam. I know him very well. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is confusing Kaysar Alam and Kaysar Aslam. Mashallah, he's a great guy. Yeah, he is. He's a tutor, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so Kaysar Alam uh, is South Brunswick. Kaysar Aslam is the chaplain at Rutgers University. So Mashallah, ta'a. you've been there for four years now so far, right? I just finished my sixth. Sixth? Wow. Active, she comes to this. Uh, uh, she's from Connecticut. I don't know if she's here right now, but we're about to badmouth Connecticut and say all sorts of terrible things. <laughs> there are some beautiful p- things that come out of uh, interesting spaces. Yeah. So, so. so, I mean, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, there, because there. Are, hey guys, do you do you hear? Yeah. And uh, uh, what's going on? What are they saying? Take care of it. You'll take care of it. Okay. So. Um, Connecticut is a place where, to me, was um, a good place to completely disappear and be with my family when I uh, mm-hmm. when I'm with them. Yeah, uh, because when we were just growing up and having kids and stuff like that, and it was just literally nothing to do, no distractions. That's true. Right now, we're the exact opposite. Now there's like this constant, nonstop uh, a wedding, a funeral, I mean party. Invitation, yeah. this event, this event, this event, this event. Like, there's never a day where, like, there's nothing on the schedule. Even if there's nothing on the schedule, someone will knock on the door, right? We have neighbors. The yeah. kids are out, right? There's just always stuff going on. So I guess that's really good for the middle of a family's life. But in the beginning, this idea that where, like, there's literally nothing to do mm-hmm. was Connecticut. And that was the first five years, let's say, of when we started having kids and stuff. But they, there was literally nothing to do except go to the halal market, yep. buy the meat, maybe whatever they have they knew, knew have a bite out, there's nothing else to do. So now Chicago, though, is very much like um, New Jersey in that people who are born there tend to stay there. That's true. That's very right? true. You have entire generations that go through there. And I think one of the yeah. interesting things about Connecticut also was it's very transitory to the point where people go there either for school and then they leave. Chicago? Uh, no, Connecticut. Connecticut, yeah. um, Or they yeah. go there for maybe uh, uh, a work placement thing and then they leave. And yeah. as soon as you get there and you're involved in the community, there's almost this jadedness that people have. Like, how long do we have you for? That's so exactly it. They're not completely willing to invest in uh-huh. you or that relationship just yet because they're not sure if you're going to stay for, uh, for a while. That's and exactly it. It's a safety mechanism on their end. So you, totally can, you can completely appreciate it. I remember one time we had a crew and Omar Bajwa and a couple other families. There was a Friday night we would get together, mm-hmm. right, and do stuff. And he was sometimes busy with the chaplaincy, but all the other families would. I remember one summer 
we lost like 75% of the, the group. <laughs> yeah. They all left different jobs in different areas. Then it was like, oh, this is how it, ro- this is how it is here. Right. Yeah. And then we eventually were one of the people who left too. That, that was exactly right. it. I, I, as much as I wanted to ensure people like, no, yeah. inshallah, we're going to keep, we left after three years. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but even that isolation element, I will appreciate. And I think I had a the similar experience of I had just gotten married yeah. and I moved there and I was actually able to study, which you almost never get to do in a city like Chicago, yeah. at least where I grew up. If you try to sit down back, take the semester off to do what? To study. You know, you're not. It's not. It's not going to happen. You're <laughs> There's too things busy. going on all the time. You're way too busy. Yeah. And they're there. The idea that you have to um, uh, in Connecticut to leave, everyone's leaving except the people who can't afford to leave, mm, right? Yeah, that's, that's very true. Even those guys want to leave. Yeah. If you ask the people who actually live in that they want to leave too. Yeah. Right. And the only thing that I don't think is actually I don't count it as Connecticut is the top north of Connecticut, where their life is in is in Boston. That's true. Really. That's true. And um, the bottom and south, bottom south, and they never show up to the Connecticut events. Yeah. They're all New York, right? Yep. So Stamford, uh, which I'm actually going to Stamford June 24th. Uh, Stamford, all those areas, Greenwich, mm-hmm. they don't consider themselves. They're Connecticut. not Connecticut. They're, yeah. they're, yeah. they're New York, essentially. Because, yep. I mean, Nyack and stuff is right right there. Like, mm-hmm. You go to New York City, you go up a little bit, you have Nyack, West Nyack, all those really nice suburbs in New York City. And Greenwich and Stamford just have a line between them mm-hmm. uh, as an artificial border. But culturally, they're all the same. Yeah. So uh, you uh, Chicago... People are born there, they stay there. Yep. New Jersey, same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't say the same thing for Virginia. There's a lot of transitoriness in Virginia. There's a lot of universities. People go there for university leave, mm-hmm. right? Most Rutgers students, they're Jersey-based kids, right? They are. Yeah. And they're, they're planning to stay here, right? So um, that's what I love about these pl- two places. When you go there, you see, I, I went to hang out in Chicago one time. I saw huge groups of friends, yeah. right? Like tons of dudes. And they all knew each other from childhood. So mm-hmm. that was the nice part of Chicago. And I think um, New York, uh, uh, Jersey is the same thing. Like Central Jersey, you're, we got friendships from ages. And then now we're on second generation stuff. Yeah. So that's really nice. Now, you, you, you came over to Jersey. You became the chaplain. Is this the first place you were chaplain? I was, this is the third place I was a chaplain, Alhamdulillah, in third terms place. of at a university setting. Yeah. But this is the first time where the organization is an Islamic organization. That's definitely true. Yeah, yeah I was hired by universities beforehand to, from the ground up, establish a chaplaincy was very different. That's um, really hard. So yeah. it was very uh, difficult in that way, but it was also, it's been so much more rewarding as a result. Yeah. So, you know, when I got my, when I finished my PhD, I came, I, um, I missed the first round because I had some corrections. Because mm-hmm. when you get do a PhD, they give you corrections. Oh, I had the same thing for my master's dissertation. Yeah, they give you these annoying <laughs> corrections, yeah. and they asked me to add a chapter. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is going to take six months. Not, that cost me to miss the f- academic hiring cycle. Mm-hmm. So I had to get any old job. And one of the jobs I actually uh, applied for was Trinity College. Ah, okay. Yep. Not as a, a job, but as a chaplain. So I signed up for Arabic. They said, well, we do have an opening for chaplain. Yeah. It's like, I have no training in this, right? Yeah. Uh, like I, So they, she sits me down, and I sit down and have an interview with the head chaplain. And was that chaplain Reed? Reed, yeah. <laughs> I know this just because I was at Wesleyan, yes. which is the sister school of Trinity. Yes, yes. Reed yeah. and somebody else. And, and yeah. we had this interview, but it, very quickly on, I realized, like, uh, I realized this, this is not going to work. They realized it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And then we just were chit-chatting after a while. Yeah. And that was my only setting in the world of chaplaincy. 
But um, how does it feel for you too when you're almost like Connecticut but reverse now? The students coming in and they're going to be gone. Yeah. Right. So it's similar feeling, right? I hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah, very much so. Yeah. There, there's a 25% like <laughs> at least 25% change of the entire student community every, every year. year. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes it's more than that because I often, I see usually the Muslim leadership yeah. uh, community is it's usually two to three years. It's not actually that full four years, so it's actually yeah. an even bigger uh, uh, change per year. And yes, it's 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 interesting because uh, I've seen my role go from being kind of more of like someone who guides what's happening to observing trends and pointing them out. Mm. Um, because one of the things I've started to realize and really appreciate um, throughout kind of observing the Muslim community is sometimes there's trends that are healthy to have. We try to let individuals go through it while the community progresses because it's healthy for the individual. But when you look at it from a communal perspective, it might be damaging. So we try to walk mm. them through that realizing it might be good for them, but try to make it so that they can fully process it rather than harming an entire community as they went through it. Give me an example. So, I mean, the classic example that you'll see, especially in like a mentorship uh, role, will be uh, oftentimes when someone, inshallah, gets on guidance for the first time, right? Like they hadn't taken their deen seriously and they suddenly are overzealous in, in compensating for maybe some of the things they had done in their past and may not accept uh, uh, th- their efforts. But they oftentimes adopt a style of approach, maybe or a lifestyle that's way too limiting of themselves. So even of themselves, it might not last them for a very long time. Yeah. Or they start imposing this on their family and friends. And this is where the problem comes in. It's probably healthy for them because, of course, we have yeah. a belief system even in like how Toba works. One of the ways that, uh, aside from accepted Toba, is that you uh, make up for the sin that you've just done. So yeah. you, you introduce a bunch of good habits into your system, and that's good for you. But the issue is that other people might not be able to keep up, or even you might not be able to keep that up in the long term. So oftentimes, as you're observing this happen, yeah. you have to recognize that this is good for you, but to spread it to everyone right now, they might not be ready for it. And it might make them think that the deen is more restrictive or this lifestyle is un- more unrealistic um, than it actually needs to be. And that's why uh, I think that can only happen if there's uh, people are getting their own guidance on their own without a mentor mm-hmm. or without a very close link yeah. to somebody who's been around the block that they could look up to. And unfortunately, like a lot of us uh, may have come into a situation where there are elders but you don't look up to them. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not shiu, They're not something special. So we don't pay any attention to them, right? Yeah. And we don't want to be them. And we want to be like somebody who we see on the internet who we actually, we don't see his real life. Yeah, and we have no idea what phases yeah. they've went through and all of this. We have like this yeah. weird snapshot of who they are. Yeah. Which oftentimes, I think that's one of the things we don't appreciate is that when you have a face-to-face interaction with someone you can sit with, they can share with you a narrative that they've been through. When you have like a video of them at this true. weird peak that they're at, you don't get that human element and recognizing, yeah. oh, maybe they're actually more relatable than even I thought they were. Or that they, the, you're just seeing like lectures or something or retreats or something like that. You're not seeing them how they actually live with their neighbors. Mm-hmm. Like when he's yeah. picking cucumbers, does he have a turban on this big and, and Trader <laughs> Joe's, right? Yeah. Picking the cucumbers, yeah. right? So there's that element of having your role model or sheikh or something that's far away. Mm-hmm. That's what I went through, right? I never, we never had like we had local the local imams, but not to say that we were it was arrogant, but it it wasn't the charm that I was looking for, mm-hmm. right? So I ignored them, and then I was looking for. 
I think a lot of us can relate to this. You're looking at someone that you saw online, right? Yeah. And you don't know how they live regular everyday life. You have these huge gaps, yeah. right? Do you think like on Saturday morning he's just he's he's doing the same thing he's doing on YouTube yeah. or on well there wasn't even YouTube at the time there was just the snapshot of the intensive right and the memory of the intent that's all you saw him at so you don't know what he's doing so you're filling in the blanks on your own yeah. and without doubt making big mistakes right and lacking experience lacking common sense etc so that's the idea where if there are shiuch there living. And, and the people, this is why they say in the books, you see them in all their states, mm-hmm. which means you see them as a, a dad, you see them as an employee, you see them as a businessman, you see him as a regular musalli in the community. You see them in all that, that's how you actually can smooth out that religious kick phase that can be really detrimental if people are filling in the blanks on their own. Yeah. So that'll, that'll be kind of one example of like an individual goes through a trend and the, the community maybe, like girl becomes observing it, making yeah. sure that inshallah the pitfalls don't happen because some of that is healthy. Like yeah. this idea of like overzealousness and then kind of pulling back and then, yeah. okay, what have you learned? Like having a conversation after the fact or during it, yeah. what have you learned What have you, from last semester to this semester? And really listening to someone as they process it and just pointing things out that they've already uh, kind of figured out. Okay, so what's to you yeah. the... Uh, the best and the worst. What's the the worst uh, trend that you you see that's like really deadly? And what is the most optimistic and the best thing that you see? Yeah. Um, well, I think the the worst will be this culture of profiles, and I think that a lot of young people are growing up in. And uh, to be fair, I also grew up in in this to an extent, though I, I'm more of a foreigner to it. But this idea that from a very young age you had to make a profile that other people could see, and you're judged uh, on it, yeah. and your curation of it brings you some degree of happiness. Um, we like creating to, a fake self, essentially. Yeah, and wow. to be fair, um, a lot of uh, college students they grew up in elementary schools having Facebooks. And then eventually moving to other forms of social media and then the darker sides of it of like when there are apps that other people will literally rate them based on this mm-hmm. or their opportunities will be presented based on what profile they put forward. Um, to think that that doesn't turn into a religious profile or a spiritual profile that they have. It's this, this weird mentality that gets found. These social media trends find themselves into how we run a community, how would we think of ourselves. That's, I would say, like some of the worst trends that I've seen. Um, and it's just completely represented. And that leads to also this like weird polarization as well, because part of how you define a profile is by what you're not. It's not yeah. just by, by what you are, mm-hmm. but you have to forcibly remove yourself from what you're not. Like um, what, for example? So, uh, how, do you, how would you do that on your social media? Yeah, so on your social media, it would be if you wear certain clothing, you don't wear certain other clothing. If oh, you take, if you always represent yourself in a certain degree of lighting, quote unquote. Oh, I see. I see. Right, um, uh, certain spaces that you'd affiliate yourself, certain music that you associate yourself with, colors, all of these type of things, they form even in terms of how we talk about the community that we're a part of. So some of the debates that we have of like someone's spiritual or someone's more like, where's the proof of this? Which community are you coming from? Which ethnic background is it coming from? I think that makes itself it's it makes its way into this uh, spiritual communities as well and to me that ends up being extremely detrimental and becomes polarized very very quickly 
quickly. Um, and you start wearing even sometimes knowledge or religious affiliation or communal affiliation as a badge of like, I'm part of this. Look, I've taken this class. Yeah, People used to yeah. post like, this is happening. And they, that becomes the degree of social capital yeah. rather than what it was supposed to do. Of Like, they're supposed to increase the humility, yeah. <laughs> increase your understanding of, of course, the ultimate truth of creator and creation. Like that was supposed to be the only distinction. But what it does instead is adds a bunch more delineations of how do I see myself versus the rest of the people around me. So uh, I'm I'm sure psychiatrists have written about this. And for, for everyone out there, the topic on Wednesday is always uh, current affa- cur- uh, affairs of the Muslims. Mm-hmm. That's the topic on Wednesdays. And then we close out with a dua, right? Uh, um, uh, specifically on Wednesday. And today's, I guess you could say our topic for today is basically trends on campus, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, Ryan, if you want to put this, and for some people who are here, um, uh, want to wonder what the topic is, it's Muslim-related trends on campuses, right? Yeah. And you're going to be the f- person who is at the forefront of all that and the best person to tell us about this. So uh, uh, we never mentioned our sponsors today. I guess we have to mention that, right? So number one, uh, Mecca Books. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with Mecca Books. Definitely. And Athar, and uh, do you ever cross paths with Athar anywhere? Chicago, so. Virginia? I probably have. Yeah. Okay, so Athar, uh, Mecca Books. Number two is professors1to1.com. By the way, if any of your students struggling in school, mm-hmm. this guy, I'm telling you, he's got some of the smartest people um, working for him. Mashallah. I mean, Oz doesn't work for him, but <laughs> Oz will probably charge him too much. But uh, this guy, he's got some serious, serious nerds, right? Indian nerds, <laughs> Chinese nerds, right? Got some serious nerds, yeah. right? Uh, working for him and teaching... Uh, Nurse, the nursing exam, right? Mm. The NXPT, yep. whatever. Nursing exam, MCATs, everything. He's got some serious people. Mashallah. Uh, and he teaches online and on site. So, uh, number three, your uh, our classes, arcview.org. Our classes have started up. The uh, extension of the spring term has started up. So, people want to uh, follow with that, you can go to arcview.org. And then you're going to go to. Um, Patreon.com backslash Safina Society, and you can give us support by uh, through our Patreon account. So, with that introduction, and now you all know what the topic of the day is: is current affairs of the Ummah, trends on campus. And I feel so bad sitting like above uh, at a higher level than you, but this is this is the first time we've had a face to face. Before that, people sitting here, and it's like I'm turning my neck, and it's terrible, right? Yeah. But this is the first time we did a face to face, so. Um, inshallah we'll get it better uh, as time goes on but the topic being the worst trend on campus uh, and then the best trend the worst trend this idea that people are um, curating a fake self Mm -hmm. right from a young age is really weird because now at that point that person may not have a reference point to the fact that that's not real right and what's real and the idea of a reference point to me is so important the reference point concept is so important because uh, things are going to happen. You're going to develop with certain things, but you need to be able to say that this is real or fake, good or bad, but relative to what? Yeah. So that's the idea of, of the pure upbringing, right? And when I say pure, I just mean simple, right? A really simple, old-fashioned upbringing up to, let's say, late high school, mid or late high school. Now you have... A good solid number of years by which to say, you yeah, know, that's real, that's life, and this is that's fam- life and family life, 
and this is something new, this is something else, mm. right? But what you're saying is that when they're curating their lives from a young age, and now the curation is increasingly all vis- you know, visual. Yeah. Like Instagram is successful because it's a completely visual app, right? And Instagram is successful because you open it up and you go straight to it. Mm-hmm. Facebook, the Facebook app, to me, has become way too complex, right? You open the Facebook app, and there's a... I used uh, um, another one, but um, uh, which is the, the Facebook... Uh, like, pages. Like pages, right? Pages for Facebook. I don't know if that's what you guys see, but I can't... By the time I get to what I need to get to, right? Like, 10 seconds have passed, and I've been distracted... Twitter is a much better app. You go straight to it and boom, your tweets are there, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Instagram is straight visual, right? You, as soon as you open it, right, um, you get the visuals right away, which probably will really mess up people's self-esteem because not everyone is perfectly visible. Like their visual is not that great, right? Yeah. So they're going to, I'm sure there are psychiatrists and stuff and psychologists, I should say. Who are who have a lot to say about this concept and idea of um, creating for yourself an, uh, a profile yeah. at a young age where you don't even not even familiar with reality yet. And I think that that extends into what I would classify as like another major problem would be that when someone then tries to tell you how to change something, yeah, it's it's it sounds like a social attack, even though it wasn't. So even yeah. simple things of criticism. Yeah. Of, of like bettering this or doing this, it has with it like, oh no, you're debasing me in some way yeah, because my true. value is based on this image. But if you've criticized that image, you're criticizing yeah. me, which is, in my opinion, so counterintuitive to a lot of what our tradition says of like the skia is what the purification, building yourself, yeah. and sometimes through some pain or growth or burning that type of thing, so you get better, and you get into this trend of like, you can't tell me what to do. Because if you do that, you've taken something away. And then the other side of this is, it doesn't matter what you do as long as it's you. Yeah, yeah. Is well, that's com- is, yeah. is another just out, like extension of this as well, which I think it's all very much related. Here's another thing with like, it's almost like ageistic, where mm-hmm. uh, in the old days, you're on the same platform of life, the same theater or arena of life as everyone else. So an old man, he's on the same, he's, he's, gonna li- he's, he's lived on the same arena of life that you're going to live in mm-hmm. no different whereas the elders of today they're not on the same yeah like the youth are coming up on that platform whether it's whatever the app is and it's now it's instagram probably is, and tiktok right whatever it is these are they're always going to change and then you have elders that you're looking at who are trying to give you a piece of advice and you're like you don't even have yeah like a true. life on that platform so the, your entire value is totally downgraded, yeah. right? And I've seen the way people have looked at like their grandparents, yeah. or even like even slightly older people that are not even, wouldn't even be their parents, who aren't on those other platforms. And those platforms never existed, and yeah. they like aged out of it. They're not going to open a TikTok account, right? Then you got a forty-nine-year-old doctor, right, who's pretty set in their career now. They're not going to have a TikTok account. They're mm-hmm. not going to open up a TikTok or maybe not even any account, right? Yeah. This guy's a, a made man. And then he's got like a nephew who's like 14. He looks at him like someone who is in another planet completely. Yeah. He's not in the same arena. So mm-hmm. they don't value anything that they have to say. Right? Subhanallah. This, this actually makes me think of, of 
there, I'm having two thoughts on this. One is, yeah, just by the sheer technology element, people aren't going to be present um, who really should. We should be benefiting from our fathers, uncles, yeah. random people in the community that should have an influence on rather than it being this chosen group of people because they happen to be on the technology. That's there, and it gets into the echo chamber discussion of not only that, but you get to curate who you listen to, yeah. when, like which group you want to associate with. That becomes so much more emphasized. But the other side of this, I think, is... Um, I I think this also explains why certain figures rise to the top who maybe break out of that mold. And mm, I know right now there's there's a lot of conversation on like college campuses for people like Jordan Peterson, for example. I just recently heard his uh, um, conversation with Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, and that was actually very well done. But uh, why do people like that rise to the top so much? It's because well, we don't. They're usually not here. So when one does break, it, oh, I see, it becomes that much more important yeah. and impactful. And I'm conflicted whether that's totally a good thing or a bad thing, because do I think some good is happening? Yes. But is it at the expense of, is that the amalgamation of all of your older male influences that should have been in your life, but instead mm. you've chosen to glob onto this one? So you're saying because he's like a older professor, mm -hmm. uh, you don't expect him to be uh, in these... In these spaces, but yeah, because he spaces, is... Yeah suddenly becomes that much more important or like yeah. we should all listen to him in yeah, this and this and the other side of this will be like this invention of celebrity that's always there it's yeah. just it's just a very odd phenomenon yeah so that that's that is one of the worst trends and let's see what people are saying here first of all you have a fan club here Harun Osmani <laughs> you know Harun yeah Adnan Auda. that's yeah. Kareem's brother no if you can't be visited um Recognize him if you saw him. Adnan Oda is not Kareem's. No, no. no. Oday. <laughs> Adnan Oday. Adnan is the Palestinian brother. He came to drop off the big shipment from Mr. Oh, Adnan. Okay, so he's not Kareem's brother. No. What's Kareem's brother's call? Talha. Talha. Okay. Aisha Mukhtar graduated Trinity College, and my siblings went to Wesleyan. You know, the Wesleyan <laughs> okay. was rated as the number one most atheist school. It is such country. a secular experience, but that's what made the Muslim community kind of need um, some degree of kind of like a space to be, yeah. um, because it was such a secular environment yeah. that uh, we needed the escape that was provided by the community there was was super important and wow. relevant. And they they had one chaplaincy, Trinity Wesleyan split. It was com it was joint uh, for a while. When I got there, they had. Split it, and because since it then, I think we've kept it separate because there's enough work to be done on both oh, campuses. That's cool. that's cool. Yeah. Okay, so let's see who else you have. Um, Chaplain at Rutgers has done wonders working with the Muslim uh, college students. May Allah bless him. Mashallah. That's your 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 man, Adnan. You know him. Okay. All right. Um, Facebook's UI is a dumpster fire. I totally agree. Noah's agreeing with me. You go onto the Facebook app, it's like a maze of yeah. buttons to find where you want to go. Right. Nimra says, this generation of men are seeing more 10 out of 10 looking women in five minutes than most men in history would have seen their entire lives. Yeah. Yeah, this is not normal. Why did you delete that, Nimra? It was a good comment. The uh, impact of that is I read it. huge. She, yeah. she, she uh, is totally right. I don't know how real these women are even, mm -hmm. right? How much airbrushing is going on, filtering is going on, right? And how much is that messing you up yeah. in the head? Whether it's real or not doesn't, in my opinion, even matter. Yep. <laughs> because what, what it, the impact that it's having on a practical level, that's, that's significant. Yeah. 
Let me actually fix this a little bit. Uh, Oz, could you get that chair back there? Get that out of the way. I'm going to move this so that you're more centered. Ah, yeah, got it. there you go. Now, if you come over here and go straight, it's a much better angle. Keep going. Come here. So she's 100% right about that comment. And I think that might actually be um, the case with men. Yeah. I, uh, How many dudes are uh, 10 out of 10 guys that are, that are shown, you know, in these feeds and commercials and everything that, you know, that aren't, uh, how, does, how does that affect the women too? Yeah. I mean, it started with the women. Yeah. Like women in, in commercials and magazines, but now it's guys too. And I would, I would say the impact, I'm not sure which one is actually more, the impact that men seeing women or even men seeing men and women seeing women or women seeing men. Like, I think it's, it's very similar in terms of what it's yeah. doing. I remember reading just two days ago that it came out that a lot of these like superhero actors, um, they've been taking steroids, but they've been silent about it. Oh, okay. Why? Because it's the same thing that's happening. People look at it and they're like, oh, this yeah. is something that we're supposed to be trying to achieve. It's having a pretty significant impact on them as well. Yeah, and I mean, so you know these workout videos where the guy says 20 minutes a day? Yeah, but that's after, first of all, you're 23 years old, so you're not getting fat in the first place. Yeah. Second thing is that, yeah, you're doing 20 minutes a day after four years of doing this eight hours a day. Yeah. Right? That was like your whole life was... Yeah. was was making sure that not an ounce of fat remains on you, and now you're trying to sell me 20 minutes a day, yeah. right? Let's see you do 20 minutes a day uh, at the age of 45, right? <laughs> and see what it gets to you, yeah. right? Uh, so, <laughs> also, not to mention, like, hardcore yeah. pornography is such an issue. It oh, completely, you know, just takes away everything. I think yeah. it's probably the least talked about, like, vice, right. and it's so prevalent. And the amount, um, uh, one of the things that I've had the opportunity of doing is having conversations with young people as they're on their journey of getting off of pornography. Yeah. And what that does is it literally, you don't recognize someone, someone who couldn't make eye contact with you, someone who, like, wow. quite literally, their social skills were completely destroyed. They start regaining their life once this, this, this. vice that had been a hold on them for so long starts disappearing. If we look at simply the nasus and the text of the deen, this is the worst thing. Yeah. Like, this is worse than fake profiles. This is worse than um, all the dietary stuff mm -hmm. that we have. Like, okay, our food is terrible, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. What else do people talk about? Right. I think this is the worst thing. Yeah. This will make, just make your basira, your, your inner eye, just completely shot. Yeah. It's, it's also linked on a psychological level so much that you... You feel guilty about it, but don't want to represent it with other people. You know you're doing something. You can't draw constraints a lot anymore because maybe this is on your yeah. mind. Of course, we know that anything you consume in any way, shape, or form is it stays with you. So becomes like, a memory. Becomes becomes a memory that you might go back to, and then if it's guilted, you're yeah. hiding it. It already teaches you that I hired certain things. The the most authentic part of me is maybe hidden somewhere else. Yeah. It's it's got so many different impacts, and if we get into even on like a neurological level your pathways of how you feel um, uh, accomplishment, uh, mm -hmm. which is typically like endorphins in your mind, they're completely shot up because you're experiencing this in a really yeah. perverted way. And on the other side, um, it's going to be of oxytocin, of connection, like genuine connection. When you make eye contact with someone, shake hands with someone, that's supposed to feel like it did something. But if you're just experiencing the highest levels of yeah. that Now people hate all the to time, have people. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, in the old days, 
even in the eighties and nineties when I was young, like you're home alone, you're bored out of your minds, right? Someone knocks on the door, it's like huge, it's like, yeah, it's, it's like humongous, right? Someone knocks on the door, but now it's like, oh, I can't stand the idea of a human being there, yeah. right? Yeah. Now it's when you text somebody, they, these kids don't even answer back. Yeah. I stopped texting certain people under the age of now they may be under the age of twenty five or twenty. I don't even talk to them, right? Yeah. Because they do not have a concept that if someone texts you, you text back, right? Mm-hmm. Let alone if you call. Like, they'll never pick up. If you call, they think, uh, like, someone died, yeah. right? I mean, so, something simple. Um, like, when you had texted me just a few days ago, like, yeah. uh, one of the things I really appreciated, there was an exclamation point at the end of everything. And, it, yeah. like, it seems seems like a small thing, but, like, yeah. I really appreciated that element yeah. of, like, oh, there's some degree of excitement within this. That's why emojis um, are actually... The most useful invention yeah. in text because it, it actually t- uh, you could you can tell like you can tell the person that you're excited you could tell the person that you're sarcastic or yeah. whatever right yeah. or you could just say you could you could send an emoji without any words and yeah. it tells you what how they're feeling right it, it makes me think like there there's a nation of the prophets on the that said yeah. that the the guest brings with them their own risk yeah right and happiness is a form of sustenance true. from Allah so it's this idea That's amazing of when when yeah. someone interacts with you or they come to you. Whether it's digital or not, there should be some idea of like risk has been brought to me. That's so, that's so true. I yeah. never thought about that. That guests they bring their own risk, and they bring the risk of oftentimes uh, there's some friction in the house. Mm-hmm. There could be friction in the house. A guest come in, we all have to smile for fake, <laughs> but then afterwards it turns into something real. It uh, actually becomes real. Or it forces right? you to become more presentable, right? I've had yeah. it many times. Someone knocks on the door. Well, quick, let's clean up. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. Or pick the toys up. Yeah. They're all on the floor from the kids. And yeah. and there used to be a time where people knocked uh, randomly, mm-hmm. like there were no phones. So I remember one guy. He had a, a summer home. Every time in the summer, he would be on the way. He wouldn't tell us. He's just like, I'm on the way. There's no way I could just pass your house. It's an hour away, mm-hmm. right? He lives an hour away. He's going to somewhere. There's no way I could pass by without coming by. Yeah. So he'll come by. He'll have tea. Sometimes we'll just, we'll take out the food, right? And it was completely random, right? Yeah. That was so exciting, right? Because he had a kid my age. And then he'd do the same thing on the way back. And sometimes I'd just go with him, right? Mm-hmm. So all that stuff now, it's it's people like, they, they don't like it. Mm-hmm. Because, as you said, the endorphins of that does not compare to the endorphins of some something new on the screen. But yeah. what's new on the screen is so useless. It's like, all right, likes, a fi- five likes, five followers. But you know that the investment that that person put into that is nothing. Oh, nice, click. That's yeah. the investment. Whereas other human beings, they're actually investing effort mm-hmm. in, a, in, in real life relationships. So that that's the one thing. You keep having a lot of messages here. Michelle, you have a big fan club here. Um, he's who? Who else you have? Um, someone is asking for a ride. Can you take them to Ikna? No, you have to say his name. Let's see, Zishan Qureshi. Can you take Zishan Qureshi to Ikna? I mean, I guess I'm putting you on the spot. You have to say yes now. Unless, wait a second, Zishan, he's probably going with his wife and his kid now. I, I'm going to be Cha- having my Chaplin? family with me. And I'm going a little bit late because I have to do a wedding on Saturday and then go. Chaplin is not a single dude anymore who's <laughs> just got nothing to do, right? He's got a wife. He's got his his baby. How old is she now? Three? She's six. She's six? Yeah, she she was three weeks when I moved here. Oh, and, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. These kids, every year... They get older by one I, year. I, 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 I measure how long I've been in New Jersey by just looking at her. I'm like, oh, oh so I'm, I'm, I'm that. I do that with my, my uh, uh, one of my girls till she was born, like two, one month after we came. Mm-hmm. So I just measure her uh, by that. All right. Have you dealt with a Muslim college student 
who wants to come out and change their identity or come out as proud Mm. or in other words gay or different gender did we want to go there i guess we have to go there because it's in the air and it's like the only thing the whole world is talking about. that's true that's true this is a question from solomon so solomon we're going to answer your question right now yeah yeah, have you dealt with that? Yes, and I have. should you even um, deal with that? So I'll, like... I'll, I'll, I'll say that in, in a couple of ways. One is, yes, I have dealt with it, but I think it's overblown to the point where, like, so I'm going to, just as numbers go, I think, alhamdulillah, I've had an opportunity of having about 6,000 meetings um, uh, with students. students. So, so you have and about 1,000 meetings a year. About 1,000 meetings a year, so roughly six, five to 600 every semester, um, if, we, if we do the math um, that Personal way. one-to-one office hours. One-to-one office hours. That's and uh, in that time, I've probably talked to about 4,000 unique students. That's amazing. And I can tell you that, have I had this conversation? Yeah, a handful of times. So, a handful. So like that, when, that when you can remember, only. That, and I can, I can tell you, I'm not going to, <laughs> but I can tell you names because so out of, of like, four, out of four thousand students, you can actually put in, put it, write them in a list. So that's not a lot. Your your point is that that's not a lot. It's my my point is that it, sometimes it's this gets so overblown in terms of like it's on everyone's minds and like it's affecting every other student or something like that. Yeah. It isn't. So that's that's the that's one component, or it yeah. could just be I have a it, I have a very specific group that I'm talking to. Even if I was to do those corrections, I don't think it's as prevalent as sometimes. Like it's like this, the the, the end of the world is coming because of this. So yeah. that's one element. Of course, we do believe there are eschatological kind of yeah. <laughs> links uh, um, uh, to be associated here, but uh, that's the one kind of component of like that's there. The other part of this is that. Everyone who wants to have a conversation about this wants to change the deen in some way. Is the other kind of major, in my opinion, misconception that if there's a a Muslim who's dealing with maybe like a same-sex attraction, that this means that they want to make this halal for them and they want to change fiqh and change marriage laws and make... Like, that's not what's happening. Oftentimes, like, at least the conversations I've had, the questions are, can I still be Muslim? Does my prayer still count? Um... What do I do with this? Um, my family's forcing me to get married. What do I do now? It's very so you practical. Can that yeah, because someone who is recognizing that this is something that he's not going to alter his religion with, or yeah. he's not going to alter the deen with, or that they're at that point of I oftentimes see it as Subhanallah. Look at the the iman that's present in, present in front of me. That's yeah. someone who's dealing with something very very difficult. And oh, that's a tribulation that you would never even imagine how you're going to handle that. Yeah, Subhanallah. That yeah. it's 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 so difficult, and like there's there's just pure like beautiful iman in front of you. Yeah. That's that's the, one of the ways that I like I've seen that happen more often than the worst fear that people have. Like these people are going to come and corrupt. And they're going to do so this. That, gonna so do that's this. what I think that they're, they're it's it's being pushed out on social media so much that it's probably you know faker than it actually really is. Yeah. Right. Because you're you're on the ground, right? And I'm on in a sense on the ground with with some of the uh, teens. Like before they go to college, they're at the masjid. Mm-hmm. Then they yeah. disappear. They hang out with you, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I sort of still see some of them. Yeah. Uh, so I guess combined, we have a lot of. Uh, interaction with uh, with the community, mm-hmm. and so you it might be right, and I hope that that is the case that it's more uh, overblown online yeah. because there are groups 
pushing it. Yeah. And uh, I've honestly seen this as mind. well, where sometimes they'll go to another counselor who like really tells them, really explore this and like, this is your time, live into who you are. And oftentimes my conversation will be more along the lines of like, yeah, let's understand this, but like, you don't have to act. Yeah. And what I mean by that is like, take your time. Our, our tradition has always been one of like, don't act hastily. And I, I say this specifically here. That's usually my go-to is um, let's have a conversation of like all of the impacts this is going to have on your life. Yeah. And go through it. And your spiritual life is a part of it, your family life, your community that you're a part of, um, you as a person, the goals that you have. As you start going through it, the logical answer starts coming through. And our tradition it also approaches this in, in a very, in my opinion, balanced way. SubhanAllah, I had uh, a couple calls on this, I remember vividly, mm -hmm. that you know, MBIC has like an anonymous call. You just call in, and one guy. He had such a tribulation, which was he, he couldn't tell his family that he's not attracted to women, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but they wanted to get him married. I mean, what a calamity that is. So that was one guy. Another guy, he actually did get married to another guy, mm -hmm. right? And it was sort of funny, but not funny at the same time. Sad at one point, but funny at another point. The sad part is that he's turning, the good part is that he's turning his life around. Right, and he's gonna stop this behavior, and he's stop everything. This then, then he said, but I feel like I'm betraying this guy because we have an emotional bond, mm -hmm. right? And so I, he said, I want to know your advice on how to how do I tell this guy, right? Who's my husband? He consider it like that because he did get married in that whatever a civil union or whatever. And then he said, I want to know how do I perform the talak. Right? Mm. Do I pronounce talak once? What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> I, I should. That I should. Funny, that's the humorous part. That was right? the humorous part because yeah. I said, "Brother, um, wouldn't have been recognized to begin it's with." It's not. Um, you can only. In, it's funny in the books of fiqh they say they have the mahal. Talak mm -hmm. requires a mahal. Yeah. Means there must be a val, a legitimate source or or object that you are divorcing. Right? Yeah. So if you haven't married yet, you can't have a talak. If the marriage is invalid. Talaq. I've had that same Just question for away, someone saying, right? uh, do I have to do talaq on my girlfriend? And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> right? So this poor guy, uh, I told him, no, you just, you can say whatever words you need to say, like, okay, we're going to separate, we're going to split up. The sharia does not require you to utter a talaq because it's not a valid marriage in the first place. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had, I had to convince him of that, all right? Secondly, he said, you know, it was a very emotional uh, bond between him and the other dude. Yeah. And uh, he's going to have to stop. And I had to try to be practical about it because I've never experienced this. But I said, look, I don't think that um, you, maybe you're going you're, you're gonna to cut him off in the sense that you're never going to look at his face again or talk to him. Because I don't think that's practical either. Take people to an opposite end. Yeah. You're selling, you're telling them to, to do something that's really difficult. So I said, listen, your first thing is you, you know, get out of the, it's just not a marriage in the first place, but stop this behavior. That's the yeah. most important thing. Right, and then he was really committed to that, but it was really um, a call that I've never had before because mm -hmm. it never had a Muslim who actually did get married yeah. to another guy and said, "I'm making toba and I'm leaving this thing." I, I think this is where more empathy. Well, of, of course, in our tradition, like gentleness and 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 it's typically translated as rahma, but part of rahma is like empathy. More empathy never made things more problematic, and yeah. what I mean by that is like it, it didn't lead to the truth being less apparent. And I think a gut reaction we have is because we're so uh, oftentimes like 
young Muslims or even Muslim leaders fall into this. We're so afraid that we're not going to eventually get to say like the Islamic point on things that we won't be willing to listen to what's yeah. what someone is going through. And listen, oftentimes when you listen long enough, they know the solution. You just have mm-hmm. to keep them talking. They don't want someone else to tell them what to do. It's along the lines of, why is this so hard? Well, let's talk through it. Why does this not make sense to you? Well, let's let's get into what you're right about and then get into maybe there's a logical inconsistency that you've missed here. And when you allow people to go through that, I haven't found them trying to significantly change something or I'm going to leave the dean because of this. And oftentimes we find actually it's the opposite. The dean is vaster than you think yeah. it is. And, and, and a lot of times we maybe rush sometimes to point out the Islamic uh, prohibition in something, not for the person, but for the others who are watching. Yeah. Because they're going to be watching. Oh, are you going to soften on this? Are you going to accept this? And sometimes it's innocently done. Yeah. Like a youth is like, I really don't need to know like what position he's going to take on this, right? The youth can't, might not necessarily uh, be able to balance the idea that you may have to not, I I may not have to say this right now, right? Like young people may not realize that. I mean, when I say youth, I'm talking about like preteens and stuff. Yeah. Because their world is black and white. If something's haram, say it's haram. But you might not want to say that to a person right away in their in their face because it w- would sort of completely ruin any chance of them uh, uh, changing. Yeah. Right. And that's hard for for youth to say. Well, why don't you just say it was haram? Yeah. Right? Because so, I, the, this is going to sound almost like a cliche, but like the the journey is as important as yeah. as the destination that you got to. Yeah. That if you uh, people often, sometimes don't know what they're actually saying. That we're so sloganized at times that if someone says this, they don't they don't mean good for me. Or if mm. someone doesn't say this, it's bad for me. Yeah, they're so litmus tests. Yeah, they're 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 so into that again that label of like this label is good for me, this label is bad for me that they don't authentically actually get to go through the process of arriving at a decision. Mm. Um, and when you provide that space, at least in my experience, it's, it's been positive. Elegant Adam says, um, talking about watching TV. Do you remember when watching TV was a thing? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only reason that you ever need to watch TV anymore is for sports. Because that has to be done live, right? Yeah, but you can do it on your phone. And even now you stream it. Now it's all it, yeah. streamed, right? Yeah. But yeah. you know, like, it's, it goes towards the disappearance of physical space. Yeah. Where in the past, you know, you have to actually go home. Say you're at work. Now you have to run home because you want to go home. Mm-hmm. And you want to switch on the TV because the game is on. Because you want to watch the finals. Yeah. But now you could do it anywhere. Yep. So, you know, there's you no rush. space yeah. anywhere where you have to go. There's really a shrinking of that. That's 100% right. Because uh, now I, I used to rush home to catch something, let's say, I want to watch with that's live. Uh, but now I don't have to. Like, I just put it on. I just stream it. I stream it all from these illegal websites, right? Because <laughs> uh, so, not, uh, not all of them are streaming on purpose, right? Yeah. But they're getting streamed through these illegal websites, my, right? My wife and I had joked about this just a couple of days ago that yeah. we used to have taqwa about Saturday morning cartoons, yeah, right? And it's like, why, it's like, why is that taqwa? Well, think about it. We used to prepare the night before yep. that we want to sleep earlier so we yeah. can get up because it starts at 6 a.m., yep. 7 a.m. Yeah. And then you'd set everything out, put the blankets, yep. go there and watch, me and my siblings would watch it together. Yeah. And we had taqwa to how we got entertained. Like we had awareness yeah, to prepare. and preparation. You had an awareness, yeah. <laughs> Those are the best, subhanAllah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Those Looney Tunes, right? <laughs> for four hours or two hours, I remember. And it was and just then, one day. <laughs> yeah. And everyone would be asleep. Only my mom would be awake. And she would get cereal and everything. And, and those were some really fun days. Uh, Looney Tunes. Also, one thing is... In the PJs. Right? has to <laughs> no. be in the PJs in the family room. We never yeah. even experienced that. Yeah, you, know, you don't even... Yeah, yeah, the cartoons would be on every day. Yeah. Um, but one thing is, like, uh, to one of the previous... Uh, points is that you know the idea of forgiveness is gone too you know with this cancel culture yeah. you know like mm-hmm. it's yeah. just once someone becomes like a social pariah yeah. say for example you know like the person that you're describing you know um they had a gay relationship and now they're out of it yeah now how difficult is it going to be for us muslims to actually reintegrate them into our society i remember in ramadan the story that we read over the live stream in Bahra Dumua. like mm-hmm. I, I just can't stop thinking about it it was a sheikh who literally commits ridda, becomes a Christian, and then not only that, but he comes back, and eventually his students accept him, yeah. and it's announced, and his students say, "Oh, this, you know, he was a wali of Allah." What kind of, you know, that yeah. level of forgiveness? Yeah, subhanallah. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Subhanallah. Yeah. And he marries that woman, right? That Christian woman, and she's the one who has, she has the vision of Sayyidina yeah. Ali, yeah. who guides her to Islam, and says, "Allah will not." She, he said, go to him. Allah will not test you with a wali from his awliya. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. And then uh, Waj is like, yeah, you know, this guy's a pretty well-known Hanafi yeah. jurist. Yeah. So he has a contribution to the sharia. That he hasn't like, been canceled. Right. He has yeah. not been canceled. And you know, the canceling must be done by people who don't experience life. When you experience life, you realize there's not a single soul that you're going to meet in this world where you're going to have an absolute perfect relationship with. There's mm-hmm. going to be a bumping of heads at some point. There's going to be a quality that you don't like about this person or a habit or a weakness. Yeah. Right? And guess what? You're going to live with that. And the Prophet said about husbands and wives, he said, if you don't like something, you're going to like something else. Yeah. Isn't that one of the most practical pieces of advice? It's like, if you don't like something about her, you'll like something else. Yeah. So focus on what you like. And then there's an obligation there. Look for something you like. Yeah. Look for what you like (laughs) and only look at that because that thing that you don't like, it's not going anywhere. Right? Whether it's physical or character. Mm-hmm. So, likewise, when we deal with the community, okay, the sects and the cults, they don't understand this point. The mm-hmm. sect and the cult only wants the perfect person who's exactly what I believe in, exactly the way I believe in it, right? Whereas, if you look at successful community members, they have a great tolerance, right? I noticed two things about successful community members in Chicago. I'm sure that you've seen people who've they're in their 70s now mm-hmm. like they succeeded and right? they're giants they're giants regardless of where you go that'll yeah. be like that's what their title is yeah. they're, they're, they're giants, giants mountains they're, they're they're the foundation which everything yeah. was built on they're yeah. they're the people who are like the the backdrop of so many now in chicago hundreds of thousands of people mm-hmm. they're the backdrop right yep. they're like the blue sky so those people i noticed two two qualities in that number one they do have a set of principles that they live by that make it predictable. Like, this person's predictable. I know exactly what this person's going to do. And because he's got these sets of principles, and they're the right principles, they work for decades. Yeah. Right? They, they're able to work for decades. They're able to marinate and develop, and the institution builds on it. At the same time, they have a tolerance in the sense of there's probably red lines. Of course, everyone's got some red lines, right? But at the same time, there's there are levels of those red lines. It's not like my way, big red line. No, mm-hmm. it's like my way. There's going to be a gradation of of light red lines 
yeah. that may be crossed in certain circumstances or accepted or we won't say anything and then finally there's a big red line yeah there it's a sophisticated to me it's a very sophisticated gradation of what i don't accept yeah. i don't accept it in this place yeah i don't accept it for myself i may accept it for somebody else i might not accept it for my family but i accept it for someone else yeah. there's a gradation of that and because they ha- and sometimes i don't think that they make it themselves like yeah. they may not have even thought about it yeah I think right. there there was this willingness of understanding that uh, even if someone doesn't have all of those same labels as you do, yeah, for the task at hand. And for example, if like if one, I, I remember Dr. Irfan Ahmed Khan um, was a, a scholar in Chicago who passed away a few years ago. So he was like a grandfather to me, and he just loved talking about Quran. That was that was his thing. He wrote a tafsir of the Quran. Like his thing was Quran, and he worked with everyone. And everyone had great things to say about him. And he, I've never heard him criticize an organization, mm. which, which is odd, even though like uh, Chicago, I, my, my city I love, and of course I grew up there, I call it Chicago Sharif. Um, but there's a lot of like weird laser beams that are also exist there in terms of like one community versus another. But some of the figures that have withstood that test of time, it's because they don't actually say negative things. They're just like, this, this is going to help with this Quran program. This is going to help yeah. here. This is going to help yeah. here. There seems to be this understanding that someone doesn't have to be completely like you yeah. in every single thing for you to work on what? We're doing a program in the Quran. We're trying to educate people on the Quran. Like as If we can still get that accomplished, does that other element of you matter all that much? No. Yeah. Versus some of the negative trends is unless they have the same political affiliation as you, the same view on this and this and this and yeah. this, we don't associate with you. And I mean, how do you associate with your family? To guarantee you, like, half <laughs> yeah. your uncles, But aunts, that's part of the result, right? Yeah. That cut everyone off who doesn't associate exactly. with you. Exactly, cut everyone off. And if, if I guarantee you those types of people that you're talking about, they must have big families because they've navigated that stuff in his family life. Mm. When it comes to the community, it's easy to navigate it, yeah. right? It's easy to navigate this stuff uh, with strangers. We already navigated it in the more intimate and sensitive family level. Yeah. So that's the key where the, the cancel culture's got to come, must be, you know, rooted in very immature people. Immature, when I say immature, I mean they haven't really lived with family right? yeah. or, or community or whatever. This is a conversation I have often with college students is um, they ask the question of like, our dean says so much about kind of family, but I have a quote unquote toxic family. Right? Yeah. And there are some people who have extreme scenarios that we should definitely appreciate that what's going on. But I oftentimes have to have this conversation of like, Allah gave you conditional relationships and unconditional relationships. Yeah. And well, of course, all of us understand that conditionals are the ones you choose. Unconditional, you never, you never chose who your father was. You never chose who your brother was. Um, these are unconditional. But ironically, the unconditional relationships are the ones that you're going to be judged on more. Mm. It's like, wait, how? And it's like, well, think of us as the rahim. You're mandated to have good relationships with these people. Yeah. It's like, well, and then the next conversation is, well, that's not fair. I'm like, but that's what says who you truly are. Because if you, it's easy to be nice to people who are nice to you. Who you chose to be <laughs> yeah. nice to. Yeah. So, like, that the element of your choice is, not, is gone from family. That doesn't say anything about That's you. True. Because of they course. were just, you chose them yeah. and they chose you. But the people who aren't, yeah. who you never got to choose, that shows what your true character is. So they're the true test of it. And on the other side, if we had a hypothetical society where you only had conditional relationships, which unfortunately it sounds like we're moving towards it. Mm. What then tends, think about it this way of what would happen? There'd be one completely vilified society where no one knows how to treat each other well. 
And there'd be another of hypothetically good people who know how to treat each other well. The problem is, first and foremost, uh, this is going to be a smaller society each time because people are just going to keep getting kicked out, yeah. which we actually see happening. And on so, the other side, yeah. almost anyone in your life and in my life, I know someone who's admirable. Like yeah. we, we, They have really amazing qualities. It's almost always because someone treated them badly. Mm, right, that like that was the mechanism for that's them. true. So it produces goodness. It produces or allows goodness to shine through. And on the other side, um, maybe they used to be bad, but yeah. someone treated them well, and then now so they know how to. That's true. Like, so you have to have forced relationships. There it, has to be. Our our, our whole dean is built on this idea that there are conditional and unconditional relationships, and both are valuable and both are necessary for society to succeed. Yeah. You cannot run away from your unconditional relationships. Mm. If you do, you might have been the lifeline to get them back, yeah. or they might be your lifeline to get you back That's when true. you need it. That's because so like one of our ideas of um, who Allah loves most is Al Munib, right? Yeah. The one the one who constantly returns back because you look at someone and you're like, I might need you later. So like I can't be rude to you. Yeah. Um, even if you're it's harmful true. for me right now, what if you you're, you have guidance for me later on? Um, so it's this idea of like we tolerate both or we appreciate both. And I would say this is connected as well. Like one common trend that I see is if people aren't quote unquote good for you or they're toxic, get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's that's going to lead to a very odd really situation, alone. and that eventually ends up being people's mindset. That I used to be of the approach of like, oh, that's uh, allowed in certain circumstances and not in others, and I still kind of am. But unfortunately, oftentimes, how you treat your friends and parts of yourself, you start treating your family the same way, and that's another major yeah. issue of like you cut off people. Why? Because in the moment, in the short term, they're bad for you. Yeah. But, but that's then, not to say what they have in the long term. And, and that's amazing because if you, have a, if you end up with a generation that has never been through the university program of the unconditional relationships, which you might say like the obligatory relationships yeah. that you have to keep whether you like it or not, they've never been to that school. Those people are not going to be very good you know, in a lot of realms. They're, they're going to be hampered. Yeah. Right? And what you're saying that this idea of the unconditional relationship, in a sense, it's more important. Um, it's almost like saying, what have you achieved? You said, I achieved a gold, I, I got a gold medal in this. I said, oh, well, what, what was it? He said, well, I created for myself a bar, and I achieved it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, you that's don't accept not, it, right? No, yeah. <laughs> I created a sport. Yeah. I created all the rules. Yeah. I created who can play and who doesn't. And I'm the one who judges and gives out the award. Yeah, and I won it, right? right. So, <laughs> right? so human achievement is when something outside of us yeah. is forced upon us and we still achieve it. Yeah. Right? That's the real achievement. So the, 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 the parents, mother and father, siblings, all those, that test, to me, that's the only one that really matters. Yeah. Of course, everyone's going to have... Friend, friendship is not a test. It's a joy. Friendship is the reward, Right. But this is the school and the university and the factory and the, and the war zone. Ethic, it's a spiritual war zone. You have to put down your anger. You have to put down your envy, sibling envies, right? Mm-hmm. You have to fight. A, there's a lot of that. You're going to come out of that. If you succeed, that's your university. Yeah. Right? That In a sense, it's your tasawwufi, uh, your spiritual and university. your so. parents are also the door to, say, the Prophet, because yeah. your yeah. parents are your source. You know, the first 
piece of rahmah that you feel yeah. in the physical world is through your mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And if you feel as if this unconditional, this is something that you can see very apparently, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That the the mercy that they have, and if you're blind to that mercy, mm-hmm. then what about the mercy of someone that you've never seen yeah. before? Yeah. So. And and by the way, we keep talking about sabr with parents. Parents have to have sabr with kids. How do you know that you they like you? Yeah, right? that's very true. And yeah, they may never tell you, but you really don't know. And, and sometimes there is, maybe it's not parents maybe it's uncles and aunts and grandparents and they're really nice to you and everything and you hate them you don't know they may hate you too you're not exactly a basket of fruit yourself they're having supper with you and how many times have you seen a parent for example maybe his parents were really easy going that's terrible in my opinion because where's your supper yeah right a parent that's so easy going and this new generation of maybe the 80s 90s those parents we're like, oh, our parents were too strict, too difficult. We're going to be so easy. We're going to be like best friends with our kids. Your kids have no sabr, right? They have no patience. SubhanAllah. Whereas other parents, their kids, they are so tough on their kids. That kid, if as long as he doesn't rebel, this wadi from awliyaullah, because Allah says, Allah loves the patient, right? So these so difficult on his kids. As long as this kid is not a rebel, that's like, he's a wali. Because he's born so much hardship. But that kid is going to come out. Everything in life is easy in comparison. Yeah. Like every boss, no boss can be difficult in comparison to that. No person can be uh, a pain in comparison to that. And that's why to be a bit demanding on kids within a certain time that's reasonable and a certain amount that's reasonable and you push that limit a little bit, you're doing them a favor, yeah. right? And and oftentimes I, I see this where uh, how you treat your unconditional relationships becomes the archetype with which you treat all of your conditional relationships. Or someone 100%. will be like, I can't make friends. Yeah. And you ask them, sometimes the proverbial question, how about your siblings? How, how are you with your siblings? Yeah. Like, I can't stand them. Like, that might be related. If uh, you can cut off your blood... Yeah. How easy can you cut off everybody else? Yeah. And right? similar- if you have no suburb with your mom that... Gave you birth. Why would you have suffered with anybody else? That's why Genghis Khan. You know when he became Genghis Khan, like Genghis Khan was just he was just he was a slave. He was taken as a slave because him and his mom and dad were traveling. An old enemy came upon them, killed the dad, kidnapped the mom as a slave, and and him as a slave. He's taken as a slave. He breaks away at twenty nine. He breaks away and gets his mom. He goes, finds his older brother. And the three of them now are trying to survive. At some point, he makes a little gang for himself. He gets other people, and they're, he's got some charisma, and he's, he's, they're, they're trying to scrap out a living as a gang, stealing or whatever. At some point, the mom says, well, this is your older brother. You have to honor him, right? And you have to follow what he says. And he has to weigh now. I got this like good business going. I got a gang going. Now my mom's telling me to follow him. This conf- this crossroad happens, right? And he's devastated that his mom says, follow your older brother. Obey your older brother. He can't do this. He can't have this. He knows to survive, it's the gang, mm. right? So he kills his older brother. His mom is just absolutely in utter devastation. But she has nowhere to go, right? Because th- remember, this is the old days, ancient times, where you're surviving day by day. So tell me, someone who kills his older brother, is he going to worry about killing anybody else? 
Someone who breaks the heart of his mom and looks at it and watches it and says, tough luck, this is the way it has to be. Is this guy going to worry about you who's a stranger, right? Yeah. <laughs> and is this guy going to worry about his wife's tears? His wife, he marries a woman. She's crying, please don't do this. I just saw my mom's tears, right? And I, I induced that. You think I'm going to worry about you, mm. right? So once you did that one deed, you do anything after that. So people who, who mess up with their moms, how, how do people imagine that they're not going to cut off their wives, right? I, I think the, the opposite example of that is presented, of course, uh, in the Quran, um, in which Ibrahim, salam, if we want to talk about someone who had an abusive father, yeah. right? Ibrahim, salam, like his father, his conversation with him is, oh, my father, I think you're doing something wrong. His father responds, I'm going to stone you. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Ibrahim A.S. says, Ya Bunayya, my, my father who I love so much. Oh no, Ya Abati, my apologies. Ya yeah. Abati, my father who I love so much. The Ati is of like of closeness. And he goes, um, I will leave because you have asked me to, but I will never stop making dua for you. Right? That's his so like So if you're going to be guidance. nice to that, you're going to be nice to everybody else. The point that right afterward, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And we yeah. gave him the glad tidings of an of a awesome child, like a forbearing child. And then the next ayah is, when he got to the age when he was running with his child, child the reason I, I think that's the opposite example to this is um one of the terms that's typically found within psychology is that uh, uh trauma is hereditary this idea that like someone who's been traumatized from they typically pass it on to someone else and it there's even genetic there's even actual evidence of like it actually ends up in your genes in yeah. terms of like epigenetically it can turn on certain things that pass on but that's not what they're referring to they're talking about the more sociological element yeah but when you look at ibrahim Islam's story you're like he has an amazing relationship with this child to the point where this is the the example of when he says to his son like what do you think about it what do you think I should do after he has the dream but it's this idea there's a beautiful relationship between him and his son how does that happen well it happens because Ibrahim Islam didn't reciprocate yeah, he, he didn't reciprocate the negative yes. thing that his father did. What does he do instead? I will never stop asking for Allah to forgive you. And because of that, what happens? The chain of this trauma gets Goodness. cut. It's cut, yeah. Because of his good treatment. Yeah. He wasn't willing to let it go. So he didn't yeah. let it affect him. He didn't yeah. internalize it. Yeah, so that that's why he it it seems to be that he has an amazing relationship, of yeah. course, with Ishaq and Ismail salam, to the point where he's not he doesn't pass trauma on to them. Yeah. That's how you cut it off is by not responding. I think it's also you cut it off by saying your treatment of me will not be how I treat you. I'm not going to become a monster. It'll I will treat yeah. you because Allah wants me to treat you a certain way. You know, like you've uh, given the power back to Allah. Sheikh Rami, uh, he said that from his years of of teaching the inmates. What he realized is that for the vast majority of them, the best thing that he could completely transform these people on is teach studying Bir al-Walidain. SubhanAllah. So yeah. if you can go back and rectify that relationship, everything else will follow by necessity. Because that's the hardest one, right? Weirdly enough, uh, with students... This is going to be like a major thing that I see over and over again is those that have outsourced their respective parents to someone else. Amongst the most corrective things that can be done is reintroduce it. Yeah. Reintroduce respect, this idea of like what I should be doing and disconnecting it from it's because of what they did for you. Yeah. Because I think that's we have this reciprocity mindset of like you only do things for people who do good things for you. No, you don't. Because fundamentally, when we even think about like Tawheed, why do you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Yes, because Allah has done so much. Because, because Allah is Allah. SubhanAllah. That's it. 
that's it. That's at the end of it. That'll also take you to who Allah has placed in your life. Yeah. Why do you treat them the way you do? Because Allah placed them mm-hmm. for you in that way. Once you take that away, it's like your the primary relationship is your relationship with Allah dictates how you treat the people around you. Yeah. That starts at home oftentimes. Once that gets corrected, it actually corrects a lot of the other even like my ideas that I have, yeah. what where my life should be headed, how I should prioritize friendships, how I should yeah. do. They all start kind of falling into place. I actually really like when Hamza Yusuf always says this. Well, Sheikh Hamza always says that what he doesn't see in the Islamic world. And it's people usually don't take it from him because he lives in the, a very comfortable life and he's talking about oppressed people. But that doesn't mean he might not be saying something right, right? And, which is that when we deal with an oppressor, we're not dealing with Allah. Hmm. Right? Like When you deal with your oppressor, you should be dealing with Allah in the yeah. sense that how does Allah want me to handle this? Right? Yes, I might have to fight back. Sharia says fight but Sharia also says, have yeah. Sharia also says, this oppressor is not doing anything outside of Allah's will. This is happening because Allah's allowing it to happen. Yeah. And why would Allah allow this to happen? To teach me a lesson. So the mu'amala, that's why you're never going to actually succeed against an oppressor if you think that you're dealing with the oppressor. You've mm-hmm. given him way more yeah. attention than he deserves. This oppressor is merely a tool of Allah. It's a force of nature. It's a force of nature. Why did Allah allow this? Oppressor is no different than a hurricane, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, except that he has a moral thing and he may be hated. You don't hate a hurricane, right? Uh, because that's something you, we know that has no will of its own. Yes, he has a will of its own, but it doesn't make a difference. How yeah. is that going to improve your situation? Interact with Allah through this. And what you said about Sayyidina Ibrahim, he cut it. Yeah. The trauma by interacting with Allah, not interacting with his father. That's the exact same point. SubhanAllah. Um, I, I think of, of two, two things on that. And one is, uh, oh, um, I, I think one of the confusions that we oftentimes have is that, that same thing of like something that's said at a collective level versus yeah. the individual level. I think what's being spoken to is like, where's your heart attached to? And you're presenting this as too much of a defining quality because I think that's what Sheikh Hamza does really, really well. Of He hits you at your your core. Yeah. And that's like, your the core problem isn't that we're not organized and overthrowing the oppressors. The core problem is like, we've let it get in, in yeah. here at an yeah. individual level. So that's, that's one. But the other side of that is... Uh, um, it makes me think of the story of Bilal Radiyatala Anhu. And when, of course, all of us have heard this, but he, when he gets dragged um, uh, in, into, into the desert, a, chest, a rock is placed on his chest. The one thing that an oppressor wants, it's, the oppressor wants two things. Mm-hmm. They either want you to submit to them, because that's what, exactly what they asked for, yeah. or they want you to challenge them. Mm. Because when you challenge them, what happens? You, You've admitted their power. Yes. But what does You're he do? You're him in the middle. Yeah, what yeah. does he do? He says, Ahad and Ahad. He gives power to something else. To, to, to Allah. So, and that infuriates them because they have yeah. no idea what to do at that point. Because there's nothing yeah. that can be done. You can't do anything with them. Yeah. And that's why he just sold them. Yeah, right? that's why he's I like... Can't, I can't achieve my goal here. So he accepted money for him. Because if he would have fought back, yeah. look. That's true. Or if he would have uh, uh, submitted, of course. Like, you put me at the center yeah. of, of your energy and your attention. That's what I love about... There's a line that the Christians say about Jesus. That what do you say now that we've uh, uh, got you on the cross? And he said, I say simply that God has given you power over me, right? <laughs> not a lot. So it's almost like <laughs> not denying reality, but introducing a new reality, Yeah. right? And of course, we probably don't have that thing, but 
it's it still makes sense. God has given you the power over me. Yeah, and, and and that's beautiful because at the end of the day, what is it? Allahu yeah, Akbar. <laughs> that Allah is still greater because yeah. <laughs> it wasn't you. It was it was Allah at the end of the day. Let's yeah. take some uh, comments and questions here. Sharif Antoy says it's a two way street. Women as well are getting more attention from men than they would have ever gotten before, which is true. Muzammir um, uh, said, "You once said that Allah's anger is not like human re- a human reaction." Yes, we are reacted by shock because we're ignorant. Mm-hmm. So if you poke me, I'm shocked because I didn't know it was coming and I could be injured. Yeah, it defies yeah. your expectations. Defies yeah. expectations. Allah has He's Halim. Nothing you do is shocking to Him. He already knows what you're going to do. Yeah. And you cannot harm Him, whereas we can be harmed, mm-hmm. right? Um, my question is this then why is it said in the hadith that charity cools down the anger of Allah? It means the punishment that you are earning cools down yeah right the punishment that the ghadab of allah is his punishment right so that punishment that you're earning by sins charity will cool that punishment down you've you're i believe that we're uh, united states is right now and it has a number of punishments raining on it why do i say punishments not social problems when there's no solution to a problem mm. that's a punishment mm. there is no solution to the shootings that are happening in terms of making a law Right? There's no secular solution to this. There's only a spiritual solution to this. Right? The people shooting. Now you're going to have one side saying, take away guns. Would you want to be any less practical? How many guns are there? <laughs> 300 million, 400 million, something like that. There are more guns than people, <laughs> right? Yeah. For sure. Right? There's probably more guns in the country than people, so you're not taking them away from people. All right, you're going to start issuing them less. So do you, do you think that there's like... Uh, a black market where people will acquire them legally and then it's just them. a band-aid solution it's a complete not it's a band-aid on a massive gash it's not gonna work so when I see that there's no actual solution right that they can have cause the, we would say the real solution is spirituality even from a community too. even outside of Islam mm-hmm. just their spiritual healing of sit with your family go to church make friends yeah. Go to church, make friends, have pets. You one of the you know the wisdom of pets is rahma. Definitely, you rahma with a with with a bird, with a rabbit, with a cat. If you have rahma with that, wouldn't you definitely have rahma with it? a boy, right, a and, child? And that's also why on the opposite end, someone who's cruel in those situations, oh. it's directly linked. They <laughs> always say that cruelty to animals, right? If you're cruel to that little vulnerable creature, something's really terribly wrong inside yeah. you. And why I think that that becomes important, that doesn't mean they shouldn't have it. It's actually, yeah. that becomes a safety net. You yeah. you actually are able to opine that someone has something developmentally wrong, that that might happen, mm. because they were able to do lesser harm. And yeah. of course, we value <laughs> the lives of these little well, creatures, we do. But I'd wow. much rather have someone do something terrible to. Yeah. I love cats to, to, to no end, but like to that, then do something terrible to a person. Well, yeah. it also, when you yeah. when you're interacting with animals and you see that, it's the warning sign in advance. Yeah. It's not like right. the only thing that you have to, to experiment with is humans. No, you have animals are there yeah. so that if you're behaving like that, right. the teacher says, oh, like, this kid needs help. That's exactly it. Even with like, people should have, this is where it even goes down to the social media side of things yeah. because people sometimes need to say dumb things mm-hmm. without it having massive consequences. Yes, so that we can see the problem. Yeah, so like say it in like a family gathering, a group of friends and people are like, Dude, just, uh, how many times? Did, how many times did every kid 
has gone through this. If you have enough dinners with your dad, right? Your dad will tell you, listen, I'm going to tell you this so that no one outside tells you this. <laughs> that was a dumb thing to say. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Now these Mexicans don't have that. Yeah. SubhanAllah. Yeah. And then it has a massive social consequence. It yeah, gets labeled, exactly. put on something. or exactly. But that's the value and the benefit of these of having a family yeah. is that somebody could tell you that. Right? And, the other, and it continues, right? Because you're really close friends who are a little bit older than you. And I love the idea of having a gradation of age groups, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things we always try to do here is we always try to have a gradation. Like when we go out to lunch, you, it's not a youth lunch. It's like 10 to 60. That's the Sometimes it's 10 to 60. It is. SubhanAllah. <laughs> like there are some guys who are looking at retirement. Other guys are looking at high school, right? <laughs> so, uh, but the benefit of that small gathering is that somebody say, you can really care about each other. And bring a different perspective to the person in a way that it's not damaging. Where he can say, listen, by the way, don't say this. Right Again, you're, you're actually not right about this. And it's really going to upset a lot of people. So it may have, that may upset you in front of five people for five minutes. Mm-hmm. But he saved you so much more. Yeah. It's something that if your dad couldn't get everything, because sometimes people are muted in front of their dads. Well, in your social friend group, if there are you elders, get for it sometimes. you get you know, roasted. Like, sometimes, bro, what are you saying? exactly? You get roasted, <laughs> and, right? and you need to. Like yeah. that's that's, that's a part yeah. of it. You take that criticism, you appreciate Actually, it. <laughs> ro- uh, the idea of roasting each other is something that is very important, I think, for males, because what you're doing is you're hardening his skill, uh, his skin a little bit, right? <laughs> as long as it's healthy, right? If it's healthy <laughs> yeah. and there's a lot of love in it, but it's in a joking way. Right, it's hardening the person's uh, medals. I'm, I'm gonna have to tell the brothers' social group this at Rutgers, yeah. but uh, I'm, I'm, let's see if I can get your approval on this. You know how like zakata to grow, one of the forms of growth is to burn something, yeah. right? Like you burn crops or That's the true. edges of plants in order so to make them grow more. So the brothers' roast yeah. should be called tezkia. <laughs> tezkia roast because you know that forest fires are the best thing for forests mm-hmm. it takes out the, all the weak and the old plants yeah. and it makes and those ashes are really good right. for new plants i wish i could stay longer but today's pickup day for me i gotta <laughs> do the pickup but let's let, look at some real quick um things if anyone has anything to say we have a brother from uganda subhanallah dr edie not edie amin dr edie um, from Uganda is saying assalamu alaikum to everyone. Alaykum right. Uganda. Okay. El Tiger de, che- de Tejas, the Texan, ti- the Texas Tiger, I guess his name is. He says Quran says he was never crucified. Yes, we're saying that that's just a story, right? That they say about him. The line is true. Mm-hmm. It's not true that he said it, but it's it's an excellent meaning, meaning that. Mm-hmm. I'm only in this position because God gave you power over me. Yeah. And that's what Yadullahi Fawqa Aidihim is also part of oppressors. The mm-hmm. hand of Allah is over their hand. It's not the Sufi Bayah, right? Yeah. <laughs> 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 we can go. It's also for oppressors, yeah. Yeah. right? That yes, he's punishing you. Yadullahi Fawqa Aidihim. Don't think for a moment Allah is not in charge of this. So start examining the wisdom, right, of it. So that's on uh, YouTube. Let's quick Instagram, then we move to our dua. And then I really wish we could... T- but now that you're local in the summertime, you can come you know, regularly, inshallah. Because you really bring a great perspective on what's happening on the campuses and how you've dealt with it over um, years is going to be far better than a, a textbook. And inshallah, re- trying to read the it. summer program and yeah. the uh, part-time program, 
Because, you know, like, ilm is not, like, separate from da'wah. 100%. Or like that. Yeah. So that's our goal, inshallah, to make everything integrated. Yeah. Weeknights we have here started our pre-pilot program of our ma'had. Mm. Right? Like, a qalam institute type of thing. Yeah. And the, the differentiator is that, like, I at the masjid, I teach usually using English text preparatory. We actually do get pretty deep into things. But it's always from a preparatory angle. Here, uh, uh, they use, we're using all Arabic texts. So that students can learn, you know, the Arabic stuff, uh, these texts, and learn these texts. If they ever continue on, they actually know the Arabic texts. Yeah, so, it's, it's the lens with which you can look through yeah. things. So oftentimes that becomes the most important takeaway yeah. uh, from studying a text, oh, is what totally. it's done to your language. Totally, the language of the text. Yeah. AMS says, what do you do when you feel like it's painful to just make dua when you've made dua and nothing changes? Um, I would say that we cannot forget that dua requires some. Yeah. That matters requires sabr. And anything that you want that has value in life, it requires patience. So I would just say, you know, just uh, continue uh, to be patient. Okay. Uh, JJ says, alpha males versus simps. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's only used on certain Twitter uh, and, and people who like to, um, you know, talk about that a lot. And we in Islam have a whole nother concept of masculinity than. You know, yeah. this, that world. Marua is so much more complicated. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's about dignity yeah. at the end of the day. And dignity falls under both categories. Yeah. yeah. What, what if the thing that you don't like in your spouse is their addiction to pornography? Well, that's a, that's a human, the unique, that, that requires counseling at that point. I, I think that is an individual answer. That's yeah. why sometimes, yeah. The one who suffers it as Abu Hanifa is the best judge of it. That's what Abu Hanifa said about certain things. But they provide for you and they provide for your children. It's a musibah. It's a really, really difficult and tough situation. So I can't. I don't have an answer to that. The one, that is something that you have to judge. Yeah. The, the one thing I would I would put on there is it. it the cards are stacked against people. Yeah. And I think that needs to be appreciated. That um, this is a vice that everything in society is forcing it to happen. Yep. The norm is for people to be affected by it mm -hmm. rather than to not be affected by it. So yeah. there is a degree of kind of understanding that happens and then trying to be part of the solution yeah. rather than just saying, just meet me when it's over being yeah. involved some way, but I would say reach out to a counselor of some sort, and if both parties can go, that would probably be the best approach. And you're also talking about how, why, when we talk about everyone being different, I mean, we're talking about some people may have grown up on a, 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 a facade, sins is in the peripheral vision. Other people have grown up and wholesome parents are in the peripheral vision. So the shock element's going to be different. That's yeah. why one of the wisdoms when Allah says was a zani, Mm -hmm. is that the adulterous marriage adulterous what does that mean it means that the one of that lifestyle will have a successful marriage with someone who understands that lifestyle mm. like you both had that bad lifestyle in the past you will get along it doesn't necessarily mean as many people think if you ever committed zina you can only marry a woman who ever committed zina no it means a woman of that way of living she should marry a man of that way of living right because when you fall or falter or the habits that you have, you're, you know this, right? Yeah. Whereas a woman, you could bring her out of a monastery, right? And marry her to a guy who came out of the club, right? Her, uh, an error for her, the bar is here. Yeah. And for him, it's here. They're not going to get along. So that's why in that question is, you have to look at your youth. Is this something that you're accustomed to? I know probably some women who, they grew up in such a clean and sheltered, in a good way, environment, 
one witnessing, not addiction. One time he's, she sees that, so she's packing her bags and leaving, right? Mm-hmm. This is not something she's accustomed to, yeah. right? Likewise, same thing. You, some people, when it, when it comes to weapons and guns, right? A gun in the house, big deal. Other people is like, on the kitchen drawer, under the table, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. So it depends where you, what you came out of, right? So let's now shift to our du'a. Uh, before we wrap up, can we take like a three minute break to set up? No, we'll just do it straight because um, I have to. Unfortunately, I uh, started late and came late. But if you want to set up, you can set up though. Yeah, so, inshallah, we'll just read from Hizbah Nasr and then we'll do a two minute silent dua afterwards. And we do this because every Wednesday between Dhuhr and Asr is a moment of ijabah according to Jabir ibn Abdullah because the Prophet had made dua at the conquest of Mecca. Uh, sorry, for uh, Khandaq, and Allah Ta'ala answered him on Wednesday. So Jabir said he always looked for Wednesday for the time of dua. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna fatahna laka fatham mubina liyaghfira laka Allahu ma taqaddam min dhambika wa ma ta'akhar wa yutim ni'matahu alayka wa yahdiyaka siratam mustaqima. وينصرك الله نصرا عزيزا وكان عند الله وجيها وجيها في الدنيا والآخرة ومن المقربين وجهت وجهي للذي فطر السماوات والأرض بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نصر من الله وفتح قريب وبشر المؤمنين يا أيها الذين آمنوا كنوا أنصار الله كما قال عيسى بن مريم للحواريين من أنصاري إلى الله قال الحواريون نحن أنصار الله الله لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض من ذا الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم ولا يحيطون بشيء من علمه إلا بما شاء وسع كرسيه السماوات والأرض ولا يؤده حفظهما وهو العلي العظيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لو أنزلنا هذا القرآن على جبن لرأيته خاشعا متصدعا من خشية الله وتلك الأمتان نضربها للناس لعلهم يتفكرون والله الذي لا إله إلا هو عالم الغيب والشهادة هو الرحمن الرحيم هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر سبحان الله عما يشركون هو الله الخالق البارئ المصور له الأسماء الحسنى يسبح له ما في السماوات والأرض وهو العزيز الحكيم أعيد نفسي بالله تعالى من كل ما يسمع بأذنين ويبصر بعينين ويمشي برجلين ويبطش بيدين ويتكلم بشفتين حسنت نفسي بالله الخالق الأكبر من شر ما أخاف وأحذر من الجن والإنس وأن يحضرون عز جار وجل ثناء وتقدست أسماؤه ولا إله غيره اللهم إني أجعلك في نحور أعدائي وأعوذ بك من شرورهم وتحيلهم ومكرهم ومكائدهم أطفئ نار من أراد بعداوة من الجن والإنس يا حفظ يا حفيظ يا حافظ يا حفيظ يا كافي يا محيط سبحانك يا رب ما أعظم شأنك وأعز سلطانك تحسنت بالله وبأسماء الله وبآيات الله وملائكة الله وأنبياء الله ورسل الله والصالحين من عباد الله 
hasantu nafsi bila ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wa sallam Allahumma ahrusni bi'ainika allati la tanam waknufni bikanafika allati la yuram warhamni biqudratika alaya fala ahlak wa anta thiqati wa rajai ya ghiyath al-mustaghithin ya ghiyath al-mustaghithin ya ghiyath al-mustaghithin ya darik al-halikin ya darik al-halikin ya darik al-halikin ikfini sharraku li tariqan yatruqu bi laylin aw nahar illa tariqan yatruqu bi khair innaka ala kulli shayin qadir bismillah arqi nafsi من كل ما يؤذي ومن كل حاسد الله شفائي بسم الله رقيت اللهم رب الناس أذب الباس اشفي أنت الشافي وعافي أنت المعافي لا شفاء إلا شفاءك شفاء لا يغادر سقما ولا ألما يا كافي يا وافي يا حميد يا مجيد ارفع عني كل تعب شديد وكفني من الحد والحديد والمرض الشديد والجيش العديد واجعل لي نور من نورك وعز من عزك ونصر من نصرك وبهاء من بهائك وعطاء من عطائك وحراسة من حراستك وتأييدا من تأييدك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام والمواهب العظام أسألك أن تكفيني من شر كل ذي شر إنك أنت الله الخالق الأكبر وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه والحمد لله رب العالمين ظاهرا وباطنا وعلى كل حال يا أرحم الراحمين يا مجيب يا مجيب يا مجيب صلى الله وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين Thank